0: what's going on guys in this episode i want to talk about some mvp candidates and basically just my take on them and who i think will potentially win the mvp when it's all said and done so let's talk first about uh, the guy that's probably leading the mvp race that's pat mahomes so his first seven games no one was really talking about mvp for pat this year right he was he had uh was averaging 271 yards a game completing 65.7 percent Uh, 7.9 yards and attempt 18 touchdowns to one turnover. But like they were doing a lot with the running game. They were they were much more balanced attack than they than we typically see them. They've also were doing a lot better on the defensive side of the ball, which which was also, you know, kind of taking away the attention from Pat Mahomes. But over the last three games, he is averaging 379 yards through the air, completing 72% of his passes, averaging 8.6 uh, 8. yards per pass attempt, 11 touchdowns, one turnover. So obviously, Pat Mahomes in the last three games has very much thrown his ring into the hat of MVP candidates. Now he has 27 touchdowns to two picks on the season. He is on pace for over 4,800 yards, which wouldn't shock me at all if he hits 5,000 plus yards and uh, 43 touchdowns to three interceptions. So the dude is just slaughtering it as of late. Now, this season, he has scrambled 28 times. That is now the most of his career um, already. Most of his career um, in any season. I'm sorry. Most of in any season of his career so far. The reason I bring that up is because at first I thought he was doing it too much early on in the season and he kind of was right But then what what has happened lately is, okay, look, when you look at this Chiefs offensive weapons, right, you see they probably have one of, if not the best uh, supporting cast offensively in the NFL, right? Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde, Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, the other receivers they have, like, they're so good, right, offensively. Then they have Andy Reid. And you're like, you know, he's the best play caller or at least top two or three in the NFL right now and the best overall offensive mind from a coaching standpoint. So here's the thing. When you see Patrick Mahomes and you, the defense, let's say the defense wins the rep initially, right, which doesn't happen a lot because of everything I just stated, how good they are talent wise, how great well coached they are, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But what we've seen lately is when they do not immediately win the rep, Mahomes can make them right. So even when they're wrong, he makes them right. And he does that by scrambling out of the pocket. And now keep in mind, when I said the scrambles he's he's had so far as most of his career, that means scrambles in which he's went past the line of scrimmage, okay? Not just scrambling behind the line of scrimmage in order to pass, which is what he does more effectively than probably anybody else nowadays so when they when they're wrong initially he makes them right and we saw it on the touchdown pass to kelsey the game winner i believe it was against the raiders this past sunday night we saw him you know move around in the pocket manipulate the pocket create some more time and then play backyard football find somebody open and get them the ball accurately and in a place where only they can catch it he does that at, like I said, a higher level than anybody else this season and anybody else in the league right now. And when you consider what he's done lately, because they haven't been running the ball very much, Uh, they did more against the Raiders, but they really, you know, he's been really putting the team offensively on his back lately and it's resulted in wins. So they've won all three games in which he's thrown for 379 yards per game. So he's very much in the MVP race. I mean, how can you not give a guy the MVP if his team let's just say they finish the season 15 and 1 or even 14 and 2 and he's got 43 touchdowns and three picks that's what he's on pace for that's very difficult to to you know to deny him MVP so Pat Mahomes right now is probably leading the race all of a sudden even though he wasn't an MVP candidate necessarily by most after his first seven games that's funny because the same thing happened to Cam Newton and has happened to many others. In Cam's MVP year, after his first seven games, he wasn't really being talked about as an MVP candidate, even though his team was 7-0. That could happen to Ben Roethlisberger this year. Just going to throw that out there. But, you know, so, so far, I mean, uh, recently, Pat Mahomes has most definitely thrown himself into the MVP mix, and I definitely think he'll stay in the mix for the rest of the way. Another guy, Aaron Rodgers obviously Aaron Rodgers having one of his best seasons ever a guy that has that pretty much disappeared for three years right in terms of he was still very good but what I what I likened him to in the previous two and a half years three years he missed some of that with an injury um, one of those years with an injury but what I what I compared him to during that time was a was a slightly more explosive Alex Smith meaning he wasn't going to turn it over because that's just not what Rodgers does but he wasn't dynamic you know that's that was the truth like he wasn't very dynamic on a consistent basis but this season that has all changed the guy has 30 touchdowns in his first 10 games this year to just six turnovers that's 27 i think it's 27 passing three rushing right um if you take away that bucks game he has been completely dominant like he's just been unstoppable you know, like if you just the Bucks game kind of temporarily deflated his MVP talk. But what you you know, when you look at what he's done since then and what he did before then, I mean, to me, he is very much a top candidate in the MVP race right now. He has a one fifteen point eight quarterback rating. That is his second best in any season ever. Only once was he better than that and that was like way back in the that first MVP year I believe. So Aaron Rodgers to me, if the Packers can somehow get the number 1 seed back which they had and they lost this past week, then he's got a very good chance to win MVP if they can if they can reclaim the number 1 seed and Rodgers can sustain this level of play and we don't see any more, you know, games like we saw in the Tampa game, I think Rodgers will be very much in the thick of it if not the MVP of the league. All right, another guy, and guys, this is not in any order. I'm just kind of giving you my take on on these MVP candidates and making the case for each one. But um, next on the list is Kyler Murray. So over the first five games, you heard me saying, no, 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 not MVP, not even close, right? And that's because as a passer, he had eight touchdowns to six interceptions. That was who he was as a passer. You know, 7.2 yards per attempt. Okay, that's good, not great. Uh, He was completing 69.6% of his passes, which is awesome. But to me, in that time, he just wasn't MVP caliber as a passer. And if you're the MVP of the league, that means you're good in both, you know, in whatever you do, right? You cannot just be a mediocre to subpar passer and a, you know, great runner as a quarterback and make the MVP. That's just, to me, that's just not acceptable, even though he was averaging 59 yards a game on the ground and had five rushing touchdowns over those first five games, but what we've seen from Kyler over the last five games, um, and really over the last four, but we'll just say the last five, just for number sake here, we've got 66.9% completion percentage. So still very good. there. 269 yards a game. So 10 more yards per game, 7.8 yards per pass attempt, which is almost, which is over a half a yard more than he was averaging. And then 16 total touchdowns to three interceptions. I mean, I'm sorry to three total turnovers, right? So let me you know, compare that again to what he was at. He had 13 total touchdowns pre- in the first five, but he had um, seven t- turnovers in those five games. That's just way too many turnovers. Now, next five games, we see just three turnovers. If Kyler is able to sustain who he has been over the last five games and and the Cardinals can actually win Um, their division because they're going to have to win their division and that's not going to be easy but they're going to have to win the division and if he can sustain who he has been over the last five games I think that will very much put him in the mix at least but his improvement as a passer is happening and that absolutely has to continue or at least has to sustain what he's been lately if that can happen then that will obviously help him. Now, I will throw out somewhat of a disclaimer, right? Over the last five games, two of those games have been against the Seahawks. And Seattle's allowing, like, I mean, let's just say a lot more pass yards per game than anybody else. So maybe his stats are skewed. Maybe they aren't. Maybe we'll find out. Well, no, definitely we'll find out as the season progresses. So I want to continue to see Kyler Murray be able to you know, put the beat down on guys on teams as a passer. We know what he can do as a runner, but I want to see him continue to do it as a passer and he will be very much in the MVP race. All right. Speaking of a guy who's been hit or miss this season, Russell Wilson. And weirdly enough, I could make the argument that we've seen the case made for Russell Wilson's MVP candidacy just as much over the last five games, which has been pretty bad over we saw um, through his first five games, which his first five games, to remind you guys, almost 73% of his passes were completed, 300 pass yards a game, almost nine yards per attempt, 8.9, 19 touchdowns, three picks, no fumbles. Last five games, completing still about 69% of his passes, 297 yards a game, 7.7 yards per pass attempt, so you know almost a yard and a half less. 12 total touchdowns to 10 Turnovers. The reason I say we can make the case for his value in that time is because during that time where he wasn't great, his team has been two and three. You know, so that kind of shows you if Russell plays poorly, the Seahawks are a below 500 team. You know, I'm not going to say they all, you know, will be that consistently if he plays bad, but that's what they were over the last five games. You know, they lost three of five. So, um Russell in that five game stretch like I said he turned the ball over 10 times that is I would be willing to bet that's the worst turnover stretch in any five game stretch that he's had in his career you know 10 turnovers that's two a game it's a lot right and and um it's not really skewed by anything either it's not like he played the Steelers or you know and he had the four or five turnover game it was just because it's just been too many turnovers so um what i Think about this uh Wilson's uh, MVP candidacy, sorry, is if he is able to obviously get close to who he was over the first five games and he's able to put his team on the back when the division finishes like the two seed, maybe even the one seed in the NFC, then he'll be right there. It's just going to be difficult to justify any of these NFC guys if they don't have the numbers or the record that Pat Mahomes we'll have at the end of the season. So that's kind of the only thing working against them. And, um, or not, not just NFC guys, by the way, anybody, because the next guy on my list is an AFC guy and his name is Josh Allen. And for Josh, the turnovers have hurt him, right? They've hurt his MVP case. He has 11 turnovers in 10 games. And when you consider though, just the overall true definition of the word value when it comes to Josh Allen, he has no running game to speak of his running backs have been just bad i mean not not necessarily bad but they haven't even gotten the ball like they just the bills have just been like look we're not even gonna try right like we're, we're just gonna throw it with josh and that's been the reason they're seven and three and leading their division so when you consider the fact that like i said he's had no run game his mvp case is um to me it's raised significantly or the case to be made is raised So he has 27 total touchdowns in 10 games. That's almost three a game. One of those is a receiving touchdown. So he's just showing his versatility there. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But he is completing over 68% of his passes, almost eight yards per attempt, 287 pass yards per game, 28 yards on the ground per game, 27 total touchdowns, 11 turnovers. So what needs to happen for Josh to, you know, be, you know, make his case and actually win the MVP. Well, is actually blessed because over his last six games, over the final six, he is going to see three primetime games. And he is going to get to go to Pittsburgh in primetime and play the, maybe they'll still be the undefeated Steelers at that time. He is also going to play the Patriots on primetime. And he is also going to play the Broncos in primetime. But on top of that, he also plays the Miami Dolphins, who, right now, are a playoff team. So if he is able to go in there, win all three primetime games, and really win out, if he's able to win out, but most importantly, those primetime games, he has to ball out. Because what happens when we see a guy have a great night in primetime? Everybody says, maybe he's an MVP candidate. Like if Derek Carr would have won that game against the Chiefs, and swept Patrick Mahomes, we would have most definitely been talking about Derek Carr as an MVP candidate, and we maybe still should be, but I'll leave that for another day. But when I look at Josh Allen, if he has a golden opportunity, because if he's able to, you know, show out in these primetime games and at least win five of his last six, and limit his turnovers, get back to that three hundred more of those three hundred yard, three touchdown kind of performances, maybe even some four hundred yarders, if he's able to do that they he's going to be very much in the mix very much I mean I I think that you know like I said for anybody to top Patrick Mahomes as long as Mahomes doesn't lose more than one game it's going to be difficult assuming Pat stays on his 40 plus touchdown trajectory and and fewer than five um, interception trajectory but Josh Allen has a chance right because he has these primetime games and he has some difficult matchups over down the stretch here so that is um especially if Josh continues to get nothing on the ground from his running backs. Like that means he's literally the entire offense for a team that potentially finishes 13 and three, 12 and four, 14. I mean, sorry. Yeah. 13 and three or 12 and four. So that's what I got there. And next guy on my list last quarterback on this list, I'm going to just for fun at the end of this, I'm going to throw talk about three non quarterbacks that potentially could, could, uh, I could make the case for at least. And so Ben Roethlisberger. And yes, I know you're surprised to hear me say Ben Roethlisberger, but let me remind you guys that Ben Roethlisberger is currently leading the 10-0, the only undefeated team in football, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. So Ben has scored 24 or more points in every game this season, and he's only scored as little as 24 once. He's, you know, He's on pace for the most touchdown passes of his career. And as recently as last week, we've had people talking about how he's holding the Steelers back. That's insane. Okay. This guy has three game-winning drives. That is tied already with six games to go, tied for the third most he's ever had. He said he had five in his rookie year, surprisingly enough, and he had four one other year. So this is he's already three game winning drives. You get these game winning drives. That's kind of your quote unquote Heisman moment, right? So far this season, Ben is averaging 67 percent of his pass to be completed. 253 yards a game. He has 24 touchdowns to just five interceptions, zero fumbles, zero fumbles lost now consider this. He has five interceptions, right? Three of them he threw in a fluky way against the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee in a game they won, of course, because they haven't lost. So when you look at that, it's just like that's incredibly efficient. If he didn't, let's just say we're not counting the Titans game, right? I think he threw three touchdowns in that game. He'd have 21 touchdowns to two picks right now. Two total turnovers through nine games pretty outrageous, right? Now, to me, what I consider his most impressive statistic, right? Everybody, when you talk about sacks, you think uh the quarterback sacked a lot, that means his offensive line is quote-unquote trash, okay? Well, let me tell you something about this Steelers offensive line. They are not as good as they used to be. Ben Roethlisberger has been sacked 10 times in 10 games. Once every 38 pass attempts that's his best ratio he's ever had so while you can make a case like hey man he's only averaging 6.7 yards per pass attempt which is not phenomenal by any means he's being sacked one in every 38 pass attempts that is outrageous also one other thing to consider with ben james Conner has been has had several good games this year at least a handful right at least half the games where james has been solid but he's also had games where he's had forty yards or fewer in terms of rushing yards. So in those games, we saw the Steelers just say, "That's fine. We'll just let Ben do everything himself, and Ben will do it at a high level, and we'll win because of it." So we've seen that. I mean, we saw it against the um, we saw it against the I think Bengals two weeks ago, and we've seen it in other games too, where they're just like, "Yeah, we don't even. You know, if we can't run, no big deal." We don't even need to. We'll just let Ben do all the work. And yes, he has very good receivers. But guys, to be sacked one every 38 passes him through, pass attempts through 10 games behind an offensive line that's good, but they're not great. They're not like what they used to be. Like we used to just a couple of years ago, we were looking at this Steelers offensive line, talking about them as the best potential unit in the NFL or top three for sure. They're not quite there anymore. And Ben is making it look easy. So any young NFL quarterbacks, in my opinion, should be watching Ben Roethlisberger, especially if they're having a hard time taking sacks, if they're taking too many sacks, watch this guy. Because he's not mobile like a Pat Mahomes right now at this point in his career. But what he's doing is he's he manipulates the pocket nicely and he just gets the damn ball out of his hands. And that keeps his team ahead of the chains. Now, couple that with the fact that he's basically not turning it over. That's insane efficiency. That's winning football at its highest level. And by definition, that is value. And the MVP is the most valuable player award. So that's my case for Ben. I think if if the Steelers, obviously, if they finish 16-0, he's going to win the MVP, right? But if, if they finish you know, even fifteen and one or fourteen and two, and let's say they're tied with the Chiefs at fourteen and two. Well, it's going to come down to you know how the stats look at that point and how the how the big time moments have looked. So, three game winning drives out of ten games. When you need Ben, so far, if you're a Steelers fan, he has delivered in a very, very big way. Um, all right. So now let's get to some guys that are, you know non quarterbacks, so they the odds of them winning this award are, are obviously very little, but are very low, I should say. But when you look at what DeAndre Hopkins has done in Arizona, I talk about that Heisman moment, right? That moment against Tredavious White, all pro Tradavius White and the Buffalo Bills, where he literally mossed three defenders and came down with the game winning touchdown. You either catch it and win or you or you don't catch it and you lose. Like essentially, right? I mean, for him to come down with that was just insane. Now, granted, yes, Kyler Murray made an incredible play to even get that ball off, you know, and in the situation that he did or at the timing that it it was off. But DeAndre Hopkins, make no mistake about it, may have been, he's at least one of only three guys that could even have a chance at making that play. But to me, and I stand by this, that's the best catch I've ever seen that I can recall, at least, you know, if you guys can, can recall some, uh, leave it in the, leave it as a review and, and I'll discuss it with you. But like to me that I can remember, that's just, especially in the, in the moment, that's incredible. Now let's consider this. The Cardinals have not been a team that has necessarily spread the ball around. They've forced fed Hopkins for all 10 games, basically. He's caught 75% of his targets, 75%. And like I'm saying, that's, to me, is insane, right? He's obviously, you know, on pace for, let's see, I think it's like 115 catches is what he's on pace for. Yeah, 115 catches for almost 1,500 yards, just six touchdowns is what he's on pace for. Now he could finish higher than that. But if he finishes for fun, right? I know he's not a quarterback, so he's probably not going to win it. But if he finishes with like, Let's say 12 touchdowns, you know, catching 75% of his targets in in 115 catches. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, that's a case. There's a case to be made there. You know, especially if we could look a little deeper as just fans slash media and say like, he's been force fed the ball and it's just worked all year long. And it's not like he's in one of these schemes where he's schemed open. You hear that a lot. He's, it's just, Give him the damn ball, and it's just been working. So, another guy that's a non quarterback that won't win it, but this guy might have the best chance of these non quarterbacks is Alvin Kamara. Look, man, you know, and I've been critical of Alvin Kamara, but I'm not, I'm just going to be objective here and tell you that with what he's done so far, when you consider that Michael Thomas hasn't even been there, you know, for essentially the entire season, he's been impressive. He's been the most valuable offensive player on their team. I mean, honestly, he is on pace for 850 rushing yards and 107 catches for 1,037 receiving yards, which is almost 10 yards per catch for a running back. 9.7 to be exact. So he's on pace for 19 touchdowns. If the Saints finishes the one seed in the NFC and Alvin Kamara has 20 touchdowns, and let's say he cracks 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards with 100-plus catches, I mean, he's, to me, that's a real case. You know what I mean? 20 catches over 2,000 yards on the best team in the NFC. Give me a break. Like, that's thats a real, real case to be made. So, um, last guy on my list here is Derek Henry. And this one would, would never happen because Derek doesn't catch the ball very often. But the reason I think it should be considered is because the effect that he has on the opposing defense is dramatic. Like it's a real effect, right? We saw it with the Ravens on that on that Tannehill read option where he kept, keeps it on the two-point conversion, on the critical two-point conversion that literally saved the game. And that was solely because of the amount of concern that opposing defenses have to put on Derrick Henry, right? And so far, Derrick's on pace – for well let me just let me just tell you what he's done so far where is it okay so he has already through 10 games 1079 rushing yards averaging 4.7 yards a carry and he has nine touchdowns only 12 catches for 86 yards but that's not his game right <clears throat> so that means he's on pace for over 1700 rushing yards and 14 touchdowns like That's insane. And now when you consider the fact that, like what I was just saying, he is making Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill owes Derrick Henry some money as far as I'm concerned because he's making life so easy on his quarterback. And I'm not taking anything away from Ryan Tannehill at this point. I'm just saying, like, Derrick Henry is creating one-on-one matchups on the outside where Tannehill can just pitch and catch, toss it to A.J. Brown against whoever in an isolated one-on-one situation. Or – same thing on the other side to Corey Davis. And those guys are good enough to beat, you know, most corners in a one-on-one situation where they have to play off to respect their speed. And, you know, they're all isolated by themselves on an Island because teams are terrified of Derrick Henry. So when you just look at his value in that regard, and you consider these still averaging almost five yards of carry and over a hundred yards rushing per game, that his value has been very, very high. To say the least, right? And you know, do I think Tannehill would be would be great in an offense without Derrick Henry? I think we'd see a significant dip in, in efficiency. Now, I'm not saying he wouldn't be a franchise quarterback; he might be, but his efficiency his efficiency would no question dip, in my opinion. So, um, also like I mentioned earlier, we need to throw out Derek Carr. Because if he can run the table, win all these games, well, win the rest of his games, you know, and maybe he'll finish the year as the only guy to ever to beat Pat Mahomes this season. I think he's he's a guy that you know it should be in question for it as well. So I'm going to just add him in there to this. But let me know what you think of the MVP lists I have here. If I had to rank them uh, at this point, I'd say Mahomes, Rogers. Murray, Allen, Wilson, Ben. And then if I had to rank the non-quarterbacks, and then Derek Carr. And if I had to rank the non-quarterbacks, it would be Kamara, Henry, Hop. That would be my, my rankings, just my thoughts on it. Let me know what you guys think. And um, I'll be back tomorrow with some more podcasts.